Good afternoon, and welcome to Your American Heritage, baby. My name is Ed Bondrank, and I am Not your normal fluffy insurrectionist. And producing the show is the guy that answers the phones, warns me the commercials are coming, puts the guests online, and finds answers to questions that we ask. Derek Stone, the man who is the Swiss Army knife of radio. I almost used the old tag I had for him. So Derek hosts Stone Cold Sports Truth Sundays at noon 30, right after my friend Sean Todd hosts The Intersection at noon. You should listen because The Intersection is... Not your normal fluffy Christian show. And uh, you should listen to both shows before Dave Janet comes on at 2 o'clock and listen to the Saturday lineup of Abolitionist Roundtable at 9 a.m., Trigger Talk at 11 a.m., and Moment of Clarity that I co-host right before this show at 1, and then to find a calming influence, stay tuned to Speaking of Art with Ed Hoffman. Okay? And uh, you can listen to all these shows. Uh, go to the whamradio.com uh, page and... Um, you can click on the little icons there, and uh, the podcast links will be there. And uh, Your American Heritage is on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, and you can and should subscribe. Boost the signal. Be a Paul Revere and get the word out. It's day 1084 of the coup, the taking of the American government by enemies both foreign and domestic. There's a war going on for control of America and you. The government and the media have been weaponized against us. Fortunately, you've got us. So uh, what should we do? Well, we organize, we educate, we go to court, we support those that go to court financially, we'll get into that in a minute, and we get the vote out, whether they cheat or not, we get the vote out and we vote and we arm ourselves, intellectually of course, and we pray. They may have a justice department, we have a God. Psalm 144, blessed be the Lord my rock who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Please clasp your hands and your fingers and let's pray. Let's go to war. Father, please lead us and guide us in the days ahead. Please watch over the nation of Israel. Help this nation to do what it needs to do regarding that. Please help us to restore this nation to a constitutional republic and remove the illegal overreach of those that would oppress us. Please help us to protect our heritage from these evil conspirators. Please protect our children. And please bring these enemies of good and sound morals to a place of repentance. And if they will not repent, please deal with them in your own manner. But just protect us from them. Amen. So, by the way, let me get this out of the way. I'm being told I forgot to mention the time change, but I thought hey, you know that. So it's the time change. Uh, that means you get to stay up an hour later tonight or you can get an hour extra sleep. Whatever you want to do, set your clocks, fall back. Yes, so you set your clocks an hour earlier course if all your clocks are on the internet that's going to happen anyhow so like i said joining me today is attorney david Coleman. dave is lead counsel for common legal group he's a founder of great lakes justice center and salt lake global and he is also counsel for ottawa county friend of the show and a regular guest and i wanted to have dave come on and discuss some of the recent things that have happened in the state so hi dave good afternoon ed good to be with you and who knew? I mean, thanks for mentioning the clock going back. Man, I would have, you know, never known. Thank you. It's a public service here at WAM Radio, let me tell you. Yeah. So I meant to mention it on Moment of Clarity. And fortunately, Joe, Joe Leonard uh, texted me along those lines. And so, yeah, now I'll know, too, when I listen to the show later to critique it. So, <laughs> well, 
To start with, we have some legislative news on the abortion front this week in the state legislature, right? Yeah, that's correct. There was a vote on these abortion bills that the Democrats were proposing that would have really increased, uh, gotten, away, uh, gotten rid of almost every restriction out there. Uh, it was House Bill 5654, and it did pass uh, in the last day or so from the House. It now goes to the Senate, but it was watered down quite a bit. If you saw some of the reporting, one of the Democrat legislators, uh, Aaron Whitsett, who is uh, um, from the Detroit area, uh, would not back all of the proposals they wanted. And so essentially what passed was they're calling it the Reproductive Health Act. I mean, you got to you, you got to love the way that they name these bills. I mean, they're killing babies and they call it the Reproductive Health Act. OK, um, but what they did was they got rid of our state's ban on partial birth abortion, which is a barbaric, grisly procedure and talk about harming babies, you know, that are right, right at the time of being born and being literally torn apart uh, to be aborted and removed literally just before being born. It's a grisly, barbaric procedure. And our legislature now, all the Democrats in the state voted for that, that that's okay, we can now do that. And then they also got rid of the insurance um, uh, restriction because right now, you know, we all, most of us pay for our insurance, our employer does, however we have health insurance. And when you pay for that insurance, you know, you pay into the pool, you pay premiums and all that. Well, up until yesterday, uh, you did not have to pay for other people to have abortions or to pay for their abortions. Well, now they got rid of that because up until now, if somebody wanted to have coverage for an abortion, they would have to have a rider to their policy or pay a little bit extra. It wasn't a lot of money, but they had to pay it. To, in other words, pay for their own choice. They're so pro-choice, they should pay for their choice. But no, they want all, us, all of us to pay for it, even though it violates our conscience. And so they got rid of that. So now insurance companies now will include abortion in their health coverages. And you and I and everybody in Michigan are going to be paying for it, whether you want to or not. But that's what got passed. Uh, thankfully, a couple of the, the things that they wanted did not pass. And again, it was because of this representative Witsit from a uh, Democrat from Detroit. And one of those was uh, Medicaid funding of abortions. I find it kind of interesting. Um, you know, it's okay for insurance companies to pay, but not Medicaid. I don't know. But um, thankfully, Medicaid is not going to be funding abortions. So that did not go through on the bill. And the second thing was informed consent, 24-hour waiting periods, those sorts of common sense regulations did not pass also. And uh, And I think there were some restrictions where they were going to do away with the requirements for abortion medical clinics to follow the same health and safety standards of any other medical clinic. I mean, they literally wanted to allow back alley abortions again, but just somebody doing it in their closet in their house, I guess, you know, there'd be no requirements, no health safety rules. Abortion clinics would not be uh, required to follow them. Well, that did not pass either. So uh, thankfully there's some good things here, but overall, the two things that did pass are not great. 
Do you have to be a licensed provider still to provide an abortion? I couldn't find that. I was looking and there's a lot of stuff I couldn't find. I'm not sure about that, but I know that your clinic, if you have an abortion clinic, it has to meet all the health and safety requirements and have equipment on hand for emergencies and all sorts of things. And that's what the Democrats complain about is, well, that's all this extra equipment that's really not necessary. And so, and we shouldn't have to meet all these standards. And they complain because of the lack of abortion clinics as you move farther north in Michigan. Um, I think you get, you know, about halfway up the mitten north of there, there there really aren't abortion clinics, which is a good thing. But uh, well, it's they, interesting they that restrictions for health and safety, which is it's silly. interesting. We had Karen on here on this show two, three, four weeks ago, and we talked a lot about these issues. And she was. Uh, I'm really surprised that she caved on a couple issues, but it's nice to see that the the other legislators caved to her to some degree. But uh, she she represents. I'm given to understand the most abortions, the majority of abortions provided in the state of Michigan occur in her district, and she is was very very concerned about the waiting period. She herself admitted to having an abortion. She is uh, somewhat pro-abortion. I'm surprised she went with the uh, the partial birth. That surprised me. I thought her values were different than that. And um, she was very much opposed. She wanted to protect her constituents against the... Uh, uh, basically, if you recall, a long time ago, the whole rationale for legal abortion was to get rid of back alley coat hanger abortions and yet, I don't understand this. The whole Democrat position on this legislation was basically anybody can provide an abortion with any equipment anywhere, which is, by my definition, a back alley abortion with a coat hanger. So I, I'm just, the, the consistency here is uh, uh, um, similar to their consistency on other issues, you know. Um, so, yeah, right. Karen, I appreciate Karen standing up there. Uh, I'm wondering what's going to happen. So now there has to be a correlation of this with the Senate. And will the right. Senate agree with the watered-down version of the House, or does it still get stalled because they can't come to an agreement? What do you think? Yeah, that's going to be an interesting debate over there to see if they try to put these things back. And then if they do, it, will Representative Whitsett still refuse to go along with it? She does seem to be drawing a line in the sand there. So hopefully she'll stand firm and then the at least, you know, most of these requests that they're trying to get will not go through. Um, but, you know, you have the usual groups like Planned Parenthood of Michigan, ACLU, groups like that who are all for this. And they come out with their normal statements like, you know, if we don't get rid of the 24-hour waiting ban and Medicaid funding needs to be in place, if we don't have that, access to abortion remains out of reach to the average person. I, uh, ridiculous arguments, you know? Yeah. Like voter ID, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, people can't yeah. vote if they have to get a driver's license, you know, or right. some kind of certification. Well, one of the, yeah. One of the other things they wanted to get rid of, but they haven't, at least it appears in this bill is parental consent. You know, right now, if it's a minor with an abortion, the minor has to have either parental consent or they have to go to a court and get a judge to, uh, you know, agree 
that the minor should have the abortion, whether it's medically necessary, is the minor mature enough to make the decision? There's some standards in place that a probate judge has to apply to a situation. And so a judge can override a parent's veto of an abortion. But the Democrats wanted to get rid of all of that. And, uh, you know, I had an interesting case Ed, about, oh, my goodness, probably 30 years ago now. <laughs> I probably should have. You look so young. How could that be? I've been around too long. But uh, uh, we represented a probate judge in Clinton County, Michigan, Marvin Robertson, who was a great judge. He was a law professor in Lansing, um, a really good man. He's been retired now for a few years. But when he would get these abortion waiver requests filed in his courtroom, he would appoint a guardian ad litem for the unborn baby. And so when the hearing was held, he would hear from the minor and the minor's attorney, uh, somebody, you know, uh, from the usually the prosecutor's office. But then he would appoint a guardian ad litem attorney as a neutral person to advocate for the unborn child. And oh, my goodness, the ACLU and the left went crazy over that. They sued Judge Robertson. He hired us to represent him. And we went all the way to the Michigan Supreme Court and won. And Michigan Supreme Court ruled that probate judges had the right to do that. And, uh, and a little interesting side note, one of the attorneys for the ACLU in that case was uh, Elizabeth Gleicher, who is now chief judge of our Michigan Court of Appeals. And uh, this is 30 years ago. Oh, you mentioned her in another case, I think, recently. Is that yeah. not right? Yeah, she's been in a number of cases that we've had. And so anyways, people think, well, how can you have an attorney for an unborn child? The person's not here. People don't realize there are laws all through our books in Michigan and all around the country where attorneys are there for the rights of unborn children all the time. And they do it through what's called a guardian ad litem, a GAL. And like for an estate, if there's an unborn child, and an estate situation comes up, well, that unborn child has an interest in that estate. The court will appoint an attorney to represent that child, even though the child's not born yet. Uh, there are other issues, medical issues. There's all kinds of places in our laws where courts recognize the rights of an unborn child. And so it's a little incongruous when you look at the right. Well, they, they don't have any rights when they're going to get killed, but they can have rights if it's, you know, they're going to have some money in a bank for them. It's a little inconsistent, as you can see. So Judge Robertson used those laws as the rationale to say, hey, if I can do it in those situations, I'm going to do it for this request to kill the child. And the Supreme Court upheld that. So that's a little known thing. I think most judges these days don't do that. But Judge Robertson was, was pretty courageous. To Yeah, excellent, excellent. So, and that begs the question then, given this, is this a toehold in uh, any litigation before the federal Supreme Court about personhood for uh, uh, the unborn, which to me seems to be the only way going forward that we can, that we can, uh, Restore sanity. I mean, even if we give in a little bit on heartbeat or when that, I mean, let me ask you, under the situation you're discussing, is there a limit to the age of the of the unborn child? I almost said fetus. I hate that term. 
the unborn child, is there any age limit like heartbeat or anything like that? Or is it, if there's just a conceived uh, person in there, is, is that enough for this ad litem? Yeah. yeah, there's no restriction at all. Once, I mean, obviously you'd have to know the baby is there. I mean, in the yeah. early first few weeks, you wouldn't know, but there's no age restriction or time restriction at all. It's just, if it's an unborn child still in the womb, it had, it will have its rights protected in Michigan courts in many different situations. People don't realize that. And, and that's been the overriding philosophy in our state for our entire history as a state. Now, pushing 200 years, you know, coming up 15 years, well, what from about, 185 years. What about nationally? Other states? Is this is this a prevalent uh, uh, oh, yeah. judicial philosophy? Oh, yeah. That's all across the country. Sure. So is there <laughs> well, is there room made, you know, and remember in Roe v. Wade, it was unpersuasive to the Supreme Court 50 years ago. But now that's been undone, so I guess we'll we'll see what happens there. But uh, you know, hey, folks, you heard it here first. Real, real, uh, <laughs> <laughs> a real scoop here on your American heritage. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and of course, there's the the whole thing about you know a double homicide if you hurt the baby, but if you right. kill the baby and not the mom, it's not a double homicide. It's just a single homicide. Oh no, it's not a homicide. It's just business as usual. Right, but so, there are. Um, on the books if you kill or harm uh, a baby in the womb you can be prosecuted for that like you're saying so that's what i mean there's laws all across our our codes uh in michigan that protect unborn children now let me ask you something except if you want to kill it <laughs> yeah i'm sorry i don't mean to laugh but that that is a it, it's it's a, on the surface, it's a humorous situation. It's a juxtaposition that makes you recoil, and all you can do is you're you got this reflex that laughs at the at the idiocy of it. I'll cover myself that way. But uh, so proposition, this was proposition three, if I recall, there was right. a reproductive something or other, you know, uh, proposition, and that broke ground for this. Now, did that? As a non-lawyer, I like to pretend I'm one sometimes, especially when I'm talking to you. But when that happened, what happened? I mean, what did that have to be codified somehow or other? Or was that just hanging out there and anything goes? Or it had to be codified? That's what I'm asking. No, these these bills, this like the one that just passed, is going beyond what Proposition 3 said. And so they're they're adding to it um, and putting it. But in I remember state. they use Proposition Three as the rationale to say, "Well, it's been approved now, so now we want to pass all these bills." So, and I and I and I'll tell you, I think they're concerned too. You know, political tides and winds change. You know, and so what if five years, ten years, twenty years from now, a ballot petition drive gets put out there to reverse Proposal Three? And to get back to protecting life and that sort of thing. Well, if even if you knock it out of the Constitution, if you have all these laws in place and statutes, then you've got an argument that they're still protected by the statute. And so you'd have oh, to. Oh, no, 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 no. Because laws through the, the legislature. No, because uh, uh, you're the lawyer and here I am arguing with, you know, and, <laughs> you know. But we just saw that Proposition 3 
invalidated laws we had on the books prohibiting abortion. So how well, could another initiative invalidate law, not invalidate laws providing for abortion? I think I said that right. I'm just telling you the theory and rationale that they're saying. I'm not saying it would win. Okay. <laughs> I'm just All right. Good. That that's their thinking on it. Yeah. And so there's also, there were a lot of warnings, and you gave us some of those uh, on this show and other places, of, of what Proposition 3 meant. And, and some of these things were, this is what's in the wings. It's not just abortion. It's uh, uh, everything that they've just gone for mm-hmm. and, and seemingly won. Um, oh, let's see how to phrase this. The, the, there was a warning at the time that this would affect transsexual surgeries for minors. Mm-hmm. Now, did it? Well, I think that remains to be seen. Nobody has brought the suit yet. I mean, this is still relatively new and being in place for about a year. And so, but absolutely, the language that was in Proposal 3 goes way beyond abortions. And so once it starts getting used in other areas like transgender and surgeries and things like that, um, yeah, it, it's, I still think that's all we're being borne out as, as being right in what proposal oh, I hate that. in these other areas. I think we're going to be proven right there. And obviously we're going to fight that when that comes down the pike also um, as being outside the scope of what that proposal was supposed to be for. There's lots of legal arguments we can make, but uh, oh, I, I don't think there's any doubt they're going to do that. And you see this transgender issue is just getting more and more across the country. I don't know if you saw the Loudoun School District in Virginia, you know, it's going on. They had a huge student walkout at the school uh, protesting uh, what they're doing with these transgender bathrooms, locker rooms, things like that. Um, South of Kalamazoo, there's a a case south of Kalamazoo. Uh, Are you aware of that one? I refresh Um, my memory. uh, Basically, a bunch of parents are, I think they're suing the school board over the... uh, over the uh, the school board allowing the sharing of bathrooms between genders. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard about that case, but I haven't heard anything recently or where that's at. So, all right. Well, we're coming up. We've got about a minute before the music starts, and of course, we're going to hold you over as a hostage. I mean, as a as a guest, and uh, because you're so helpful for this stuff. But there was, uh, you know, I hate it to be at the cost of all these dead babies. But this could actually be the tipping point where people have exposed themselves and voters are going to say, are you kidding me? I voted for them. I voted for those people that would do that. And I'm, I'm hoping that backlash will be there because we're not using it as a tool. But if the Lord uses it, you know, uses the situation to influence voters and we can use it to influence voters, perhaps this could be a turning point in this state. And we, we take the House back in the Senate. You got any ideas on that before we go to break? No, I, I think you're right. I, I think that they're going too far. Again, partial birth abortion is, I, I, I cannot emphasize how awful that is. Okay, and, and so, I'm glad you can't. You know, we got 30 need, seconds. Yeah, Folks, so people need join. to know that they can influence legislators. So, and thank you. Thank you for letting everybody know I'm a hostage because Derek is holding me against my will. So, 
15 seconds. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> All right, come on back, folks, after the break. You're American Heritage. We were made to be courageous. We were made to lead the way. We could be the generation that finally breaks the chains. We were made to be courageous. We were made to be courageous. We were warriors on the front lines, standing unafraid. Well, welcome back to your American Heritage, baby. Yeah. And uh, joining me is one of those courageous warriors, David Coleman of Coleman Legal Group of uh, Salt and Light Global, and that's slgwitness.com, not org.com. I kind of made that mistake earlier today and wondered if they'd been hacked, and it was me. And then, of course, Great Lakes Justice Center, which is Great Lakes JC dot, dot, David, dot, org. Org. Yeah, that's. Dot org. That's where I get confused. There we go. So, and uh, we were talking about things going on in Lansing, some very unseemly things that were going on in Lansing. And in a little bit, we're going to take some calls. And the number is 722. Of course, you got to preface that with 734. Derek, what's the phone number? It's 822-1600, right? Yeah, lack of sleep. 734-822-1600. I got all kinds of excuses. Folks, if you ever need an excuse... Ring me up. I, I I got a bucket full I can give you to just use on any any occasion. So uh, remember, Brad, Dave, you get an extra hour of sleep tonight, so don't worry about it. You're all right. Yeah, we'll see if I don't stay up an extra hour. You know, so we'll see how that goes. Um, so actually, there's this big legal thing going on, and the guy we were going to talk to about it has just walked out of the room. But <laughs> there was something about sign stealing and the legality of sign stealing. But Derek's on the phone with somebody else. So um, <laughs> let's let's move on. So um, you had something you wanted to bring up about election integrity, I believe. Well, we've got a couple of things going on, and there have been some recent lawsuits regarding our Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson. She's now lost in court for a third time. Yes. And, uh, you know, and yet, if, if excuse you're... me, and yet, and yet her ruling stands. How's that? Did I read that right? Well, just while the appeal is going, that's that's yeah. not uncommon that until there's a final decision, you know, uh, it's still there. But the bottom line is Jocelyn Benson put in a bunch of restrictions and changed the rules um, dealing with election laws and poll challengers and poll workers and things like that. And she just did it unilaterally just by the stroke of a pen. She had some paper and a ink in her pen and she just did it. Did not go through the proper rule process. And she did three. There have been three different cases now. The first one was, and this is really terrible. You know, when absentee ballots get put in, and this is all the early voting. I mean, what was it? 40% of our ballots were absentee last time. Mm -hmm. And our state law requires every absentee ballot, the signatures have to be checked and compared to make sure that the person who is claimed to be doing the absentee voting is the right person. You know, the signature matches. Jocelyn Benson just said, ah, we're not going to do that. All clerks around the state, you just presume all the signatures are fine. And no, and they ignored the law 
just flat out ignored the law and refused to comply. And, you know, that seems to be the Democrats' motto. You know, Joe Biden says, well, I'm going to do it as long as the Supreme Court, until the Supreme Court tells me I can't, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. I mean, that is not the way our system works. And so Jocelyn Benson did that. Nobody reviewed absentee ballots in the last election for their signatures. And the court uh, struck her down and said, no, you can't do that. And so now at least in our elections coming up on that issue, she has to allow clerk and well, clerks are mandated to review those signatures. So that's a really good one. And yet, and yet the results stand. That's what really, I mean, we should have a do over. Yeah. That was election interference. Yeah, it sure was. And then the second case was dealing with, uh, she did a ban of open carry, you know, because Michigan is an open carry state. You can carry a, a weapon pretty much anywhere except schools. And, you know, there's a few restrictions. Mm-hmm. But he just unilaterally put out a, a edict that said nobody can open carry near a polling place. Well, you know, who made her God? I mean, who made her the right to make these decisions without going through the legislature or without passing a rule? I mean, there are constitutional rights here let alone statutory rights for open carry. And she just overturned it because she thought she had the power. Well, the court slapped her down on that one. So those two are not pending her. I mean, those have been decided. She lost. So so checking the signatures, open carry, that's she's lost those cases. Now, the third one that you were talking about that's still in place for now was dealing with restrictions on poll watchers, poll challengers, um, like making them get credentials and having to go through this real, uh, what a process you, know, you have to go through to get your credential. And we heard stories of lots of people trying to get credentials and they wouldn't issue them. They would get them and then, oh, well, you didn't follow what Jocelyn Benson said. You don't have a credential. You can't be here to you know be a poll watcher, things like that. It's ridiculous. Also, no cell phone. Excuse me. If you're a poll excuse watcher, me. you can't bring your cell phone. Or if you were, they'll put they'll shove you out of the vote telling area and put pizza boxes up on the windows, right. you know. Right. Was, yeah. um, if ahead. you see something that you want to object to as a poll watcher, you can't talk to the election person in charge at your precinct. You're not allowed to even speak to them. Well, then what's, what's your the point, point of being there if you can't even bring anything up? I mean, so she puts these unilateral rules in again with uh, totally breaking the law. It just puts them in place. You know, you want to talk about voter suppression. And, and, you know, violating election laws, Jocelyn Benson's a pro at it. I mean, so that's the most recent case that you just heard that she got struck down on those. And the courts said very clearly, Court of Appeals, we have an Administrative Procedures Act in Michigan. If you want to pass rules, administrative rules, there's a whole process you have to go through. They have to be written up. They have to be given uh, to the public. There have to be there has to be notice. notice. There has to be public hearings to allow public comment. There have to be waiting periods. There's a JCAR committee, the Joint Committee on Administrative Rules, between the House and the Senate. It has to go through their committee. I mean, it's quite a process to get an administrative rule through and approved. She just bypassed it all and just said, oh, "I'm not going to do it. I could just yeah, do wait, it." Wait. But if you did all that, Trump would be president. Come on, man. Yeah, well, <laughs> so anyways, that's the third loss now. So she's had three straight losses on all these changes that she tried to implement unilaterally, you know, uh, across the state. And now this third one, the Court of Appeals has ruled against her. But that's the one that, well, 
it'll be appealed to the Supreme Court. And so until the Supreme Court weighs in next year sometime, it's still there. So those restrictions, credentials, no cell phones, that sort of thing, will be in place for the election coming up this week. Yes, because, yeah, there wasn't a stay on those, like I said. Right. right? Yeah, right. that's just wonderful. Uh, right. So, let's, uh, but all, let's, all it's really good because, you know, all of these, uh, you know, like President Obama said, well, I have paper and, and you know, ink in my pen. And I'm just going to do what I want. Well, yeah. you know, that's not the way a constitutional republic works. You, we don't have a king. We don't have a dictator who can just issue well, we edicts. We're not supposed to. We're not topic. supposed to. Yeah. 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 So the system okay. is working. It can be aggravating. It takes a little bit of time to work its way through the courts. But our system is working. It's stopping these, abuse of these abuses of power by the Democrats in Lansing. I'm going to take a chance here. You take a glass of water. I'm going to take a glass of water. We're going to take a call from Joe from Wyandotte, the author of Terror Strikes. And, you know, there's a pool on it. Is he going to change the subject or not? Let's see. <laughs> yes, I do want to change. Well, not off a law. I'm not calling to talk about the weather, but <laughs> I am curious about the whole freedom of freedom to work that we finally got passed, got overturned, which I don't understand why we needed a freedom to work, some call right to work. Uh, how is my freedom of association or to not associate allowed to be undermined? We need a Supreme Court ruling on forced unionization. It's a violation of my desire to associate or not, isn't it? Well, you're preaching to the choir here, Joe. I mean, I agree with you totally. But what the courts have done in the past is they've come down, and at least I know in Michigan, for example, they can't require you to pay union dues for all the, you know, extraneous stuff they do politically and things like that, but only for the purposes of bargaining. But then you get into a big fight, you know, well, how much of my union dues was only for collective bargaining versus all these other issues? So. But no, you're right. I mean, that's why we passed, what, 10, 12 years ago in Michigan, the right to work law. And of course, the Democrats got in power this year and couldn't move fast enough to strike that down. So that was that was their keystone pipeline. Yeah, that was their yeah. keystone pipeline. Joe? Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. They couldn't move fast enough to undo that. But yeah, no, the money is fungible. That. Right. Where's the breakdown? How much goes to the strike fund? And these workers, when it comes time to potentially strike, wonder why they're only striking one or two places and not a full strike. That's because, people, your strike fund is gone. It's been all given, laundered to the Democrats. Mm, okay, well, we don't have proof of that. But it's, it sounds good to say uh, the views and opinions of Joe Leonard are not necessarily the views and opinions of your American heritage or this station. So, all right. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate your calling. All right. Take care, brothers. God bless. All right. See, see you. You know, something else I read about, I, I've neglected to share this with you, but you may be aware of this. Well, two things about voter law. I was reading that now you can pay. Parties can pay people 
to drive people to the polls, whereas before mm-hmm. that was forbidden. So that's just another way of purchasing votes, you know. And, oh, look, I'm driving you to the poll. Don't, that's not your $10 bill on the back seat. Don't take it, okay? Make sure you leave it there. That kind of, you know, walking around money. I just, you know, that's that's the way it goes. That's not your bag of, you know, burger and fries and a soda. You know, you're not allowed to take that, you know, but I'm not looking. That kind of thing. I mean, this is so ripe for for abuse, and that's exactly what they want to do right. is abuse which is it. Why, which is exactly why with Great Lakes we filed this elections lawsuit in federal court, and it's just getting going. Um, we're trying to get the elections clause in the federal constitution enforced. And this is going to be a real interesting case. We're challenging both ballot proposals for 2018 and 2022 that put all of these wide, you know, wild, wild west provisions in place on voting and allowing for for this type of fraud to occur and ballot harvesting and, and all sorts of things. Well, the federal constitution has a clause, the elections clause, yeah. which says the regulation of the time, place and manner of all elections for people running for federal office, okay, congressman, president, things like that, uh, that those regulations have to be done and be put in place by the state legislature in each state. And it's very specific. It says the state legislature must pass the laws regulating time, place, and manner. Well, what did those ballot proposals do? The legislature had nothing to do with it. They were bypassed. And so obviously in our constitution, we have the ballot initiative process where the people can get signatures, put an issue on the ballot, and that's all fine 99% of the time. But when you're dealing with this specific issue of elections in the time, place, manner, how they're run, how are they regulated, the legislature has to do it pursuant to the federal constitution. So we filed a lawsuit in federal court. We're in the Western District of Michigan, arguing that those two ballot proposals are unconstitutional need to be thrown out. So uh, that's a case that people should keep an eye on. And we pray can, about. This could be an arrow to the heart, you know, of that whole process if we're successful in this lawsuit. And right now we know we have four of the justices on the U.S. Supreme Court on our side in our interpretation of this from earlier cases. And we think Justice Gorsuch will be our fifth vote because of some recent decisions on similar types of cases and language he's used. We think we can get him. So our aim here is to get this to the U.S. Supreme Court and get a ruling and uh, get all of this stuff knocked out in Michigan, which would be an amazing help to our election process here in the state. I think I actually gave you the idea to do that on a show a few months ago, but maybe <laughs> not. Maybe not. Maybe you guys came up with it by yourselves. But yeah, I think you. Well, I don't know. <laughs> it, yeah, it could have been well, but I think the response from one of you was. Well, some people are looking at the uh, the popular vote as a type of legislative move, and I right, right. but that's not that's what the pretty weak tea. Yeah, it's yeah. That's what I say. There's I'm not saying there aren't arguments on the other side, but I think you know the the federal constitution is very clear when it said state legislature. It didn't say vote of the people. It said the state legislature. That's right. The, um, and that's the time to pray, folks, because God moves the hearts of kings and judges. And, uh, you know, when it comes time to accepting this case, 
or deciding it, I think we have some some good people on the court. They just need to have a little nudge from a higher power. And while we're on the lines of this, it never occurred to me before, but doesn't the 17th Amendment fly in the face of, is that the second uh, Article 2 that uh, talks about the legislation? Yeah, the election clause, yeah. So basically it used to be that the states might set the way that they elect their uh, uh, each senator, and that is a federal office. And so it could be like the legislature chose who the senator was going to be, as we famously saw in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. It wasn't a popular vote. And yet, I mean, this is 17th Amendment. It's such an abuse because so much outside uh, funding comes into a state to influence an election. So you got all these multimillionaires out in San Francisco who are basically deciding who our senator is going to be by the media that they purchase. And that's not what that's not what God intended when he inspired the Constitution. So really, is it, am I, is it an overreach to say that the 17th Amendment violates the... Yeah, well, I mean, you can Article make two? that argument, but there was litigation over all that. And the I think... Basically, the argument there was that wasn't regulating time, place, manner of how elections are actually held. That was a separate issue. That's a separate clause, and it has slightly different language. And so that's why it was upheld that senators could be chosen by popular vote. I mean, I've heard that argument where people don't understand the difference. There are two different clauses that they're talking about there. The one about the senator, you know, being uh, chosen by the legislature versus the elections clause that I'm talking about which is time, place, manner of the actual process of elections. They're two different clauses, slightly different language, and so it's not the same thing. Mm, okay, so somebody else thought of it first. Huh? Well, I guess I didn't get the scoop on that one. So <laughs> the other thing I discovered in my reading this week was that there is a bill to redefine arcade machines and slot machines, actually. Slot machines because of the proliferation of electronic gaming devices. And it really does concern me that people can basically, I think, play sports bets on their phones now. I mean, it used to be you weren't allowed to bet on sports at all. And then it used to be you had to go to the horse track to actually place a bet on a horse. And then there were betting parlors. And then it's just, now you pick up your phone and uh, mortgage your house and go into debt and, you know, screw your kids and wife. And so now they want to, um, uh, tailor the language uh, to control some of this and it turns out that the machines that you play at Chuck E. Cheese whereas you win tickets to take up to the counter like skee ball or something like that to redeem for gifts that's actually going to fall in, under this and so mm. arcade games could very well be seen as the equivalent of slot machines I'm, I'm just kind of curious how that's going to work out you know Jeez. Well, I, I I guess I haven't heard about that one yet. <laughs> so I don't know. It seems to me there's quite a difference between arcade games and uh, betting on horse racing or sporting events or things like that. It's some somehow that's not quite the same thing. So hopefully the legislators can get that right. So we'll see. <laughs> well, it just depends on whether you think ski ball is a game of chance or if it's rigged against you. You know. So there is that. So. Oh, let's see. What else is there? There's um. I to talk about the uh, the sign stealing situation. I mean, Derek's with us here. I mean, he uh, 
as a scoop on some of the stuff that's going on there. So, Derek, real quick, what is this we hear of stealing signs and what are the legal ramifications? So if you haven't heard about this, the Michigan Wolverines football program is under investigation by the NCAA for allegedly stealing the signs of their opponents. And there was a man named Connor Stallions, who actually is a former Marine. He is employed by the University of Michigan as a football analyst. And he allegedly went to the opponent's games of the Wolverines, and he was videotaping their, or excuse me, recording their signals on his cell phone so that he could relay this information back to the head coach, Jim Harbaugh. Well, the NCAA came to investigate in Ann Arbor last week. They left, didn't find anything that Michigan did illegally, and then Stallions unfortunately resigned from his position yesterday, didn't want to be a distraction to the football program. And I think ultimately this is a smear campaign to try to get rid of Jim Harbaugh from the University of Michigan and have him go back to the National Football League because the NCAA, for whatever reason, and I actually I think I know the reason why they hate Jim Harbaugh is because he wants the players to share in the TV revenue that the NCAA brings in for college football. And ultimately, that, that's why the Michigan is under scrutiny for this alleged sign stealing that pretty much every other college football program does in the U.S. Wow. Yeah. It, well, you know, it's just a, like a big nothing burger to me. I mean, I, look, I'm a Michigan State fan, but even I think that's kind of silly to be going after Jim Harbaugh for that. That I mean, everybody, I mean, I grew up playing sports. I played college basketball. I mean, you always try to steal signs or see what the other team is doing. I mean, that's part of the game. I mean, I, I don't know what the – I mean, everybody does it. It's kind of an accepted thing. And that's why you see everybody on the sidelines covering their mouth or putting up four or five different signs to try to confuse the other side so they don't know which is the one that's being used. I mean, it's a, it's a kind of a – a side game within the game, you know, that's going on. I, I just don't see what the big deal is. Well, I, as a point of fact, there there was a slight error in Derek's presentation. He referred to the no. gentleman as an ex-Marine. There are <laughs> no ex-Marines. <laughs> as, as a friend of a, a couple of them, I, I know this personally. So um, let's see now. Well, I, Derek, what do we got? Two minutes, one minute? Well, got- here, I could tell you something that I would encourage people to do. I'll hold this up. I know we're on radio. But Go Samaritan's Curse, you know, they yes. do these uh, shoebox things for kids all around the world and stuff. Our church is doing it. I'm sure there's churches all over the, the country doing it. And uh, so my wife has put together a bunch of uh, shoeboxes that we're sending out that will go to kids all around the country. So if you've not heard about this, go to Samaritan's Curse. They're website and you can see how to do it and it's a really kind of a fun thing to do and a a good way to help uh help them out and help kids all around the world and while you're doing that derek toys for uh kids 1600 yeah it's actually the salvation army toy drive that that's going on now and i believe that's going to end on december 15th will be the final day you can donate a toy for needy families across washtenaw county Excellent, excellent. There's all kinds of ways to reach out and help people and just pick one or two 
and do it. So we got one minute left. Dave, promote what you're doing, okay? And then make it short. We only got 58 seconds now. <laughs> well, we appreciate everybody uh, that, that supports Great Lakes Justice Center. Again, our website's greatlakesjc.org. And you can go online there. Uh, we're 501c3. We take on all kinds of legal issues, civil rights, free speech, freedom of religion. And come to our website, check us out. All right, thanks. Hey, you did it too, 15 seconds. Folks, thanks for joining us. Your American Heritage, come on back next week. Appreciate it. God bless America. America bless God.